my son. Here's a group of poor, miserable souls, to be sure. They have utterly undone themselves, and now lie open to my justice. And my justice demands satisfaction on their behalf, or it will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them all. What shall be done for these lost souls? Oh, my father, such is my love and pity for them that rather than they should perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their surety. I will assume the responsibility for the debt they have incurred. Bring in all their bills that I may see what they owe you. Yes, Father, bring them all to me that there may be no need for after reckonings with them, that the transaction would be completed in my hands. From my hand shall you require payment because I would rather choose to suffer your wrath on their behalf than that they should suffer it on their own for all eternity. Upon me, my father, upon me be all their debt. I willingly assume it all. Son, do you fully understand the magnitude of your request? The separation of my holiness from their sinfulness is a chasm so wide, so deep and so dark, nothing but total justice can bridle it. My righteousness requires that redemption be made in full payment of all that has been done against me since the rebellion. Father, I understand. I do not will it to be so, but I love them too much to not offer a way of redemption from the eternal destruction that awaits them. And ever more importantly, I love you, Father, enough to submit my will to your way that all you created might be restored to your glory. Very well, my son. But understand this clearly. If you undertake it for them, you must reckon to pay every last cent. Expect no discounts. Anticipate no mercy. Get no grace. For me to spare them, I will surely not spare you. You will have to endure it all. Every last drop of my wrath will fall to you. The full weight of the sins of the world will be placed upon your shoulders, and your separation from me will be complete. I am content, Father. Let it be so. Charge it all to me. I am willing to pay for. I am the only one able to pay it. And though it prove a kind of undoing to me, though it impoverish me of all my riches, though it empty me of all of my treasures, though it separate me from you, my Father, even still, I am content to undertake it for their salvation. For Father, my sacrifice will redeem and restore the loss we so dearly love. The joy of repentance flows directly out of the grief we carry. There is no path to Sunday morning except through Friday evening. So Father, we are here to remember what love looks like. Like a great exclamation point 
on human history, the cross cries out, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Early morning, the stage is set. Who will believe our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender shoot and like a root of parched ground. He, was no, he had no stately form of majesty that we would look upon him, nor appearance that we would be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. The words of the prophet Isaiah written about what would happen on this dark night 700 years before they occurred. Jesus was brought to the only person who had the power to order his execution. But Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed the crowd. And he, they kept calling out, crucify him, crucify him. And he said to them, why? What has this man done? I find no guilt in him. I will just punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced the sentence that their demand be granted. And he delivered Jesus to their will. The only innocent man who has ever lived, given into the hands of angry sinners. So the soldiers stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting a crown of thorns together, they put it on his head. And they put a reed in his right hand. And they mocked him. And they bowed down before him and said, Hail, the king of the Jews. And then they took the reed from his hand. And they beat him mercilessly with it. But before we get all self-righteous and angry at the soldiers or at those people, the Jewish people that Jesus had come to who rejected him and say, how could they do that to Jesus? Let's remember, we are them. We all have done that to Jesus. We were all doing that to Jesus even then. Because in Isaiah 53 it says, for all of us, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. Remember, it's not their sin that made Jesus suffer. It's our sin. It's your sin. It's my sin. To God, the sins we committed today 
are, were already put on the cross 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the next moment that you would reveal to us those things in our hearts that we're holding on to. Maybe we think we're hiding them from you. Maybe they're things that we love more than we love you, so we don't want to let go of them. Lord, we confess those sins to you. And the cross proves that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tonight, may we not hide things from you. May we not hold on to things. May we put them on the cross of Jesus Christ, for there you died for those things. In Jesus' name. It is now the third hour, which would have been 9 a.m. This was the hour that the Passover lambs would have been led to the temple to be slaughtered. Jesus has spent the last 12 hours being beaten at least four different times, being dragged to at least six different trials. He is exhausted. He is being accused of crimes he did not commit, and he utters no defense because he knows if he does, they might stop him from going to the cross, and that is his destiny. But now this sleep-deprived, mutilated, exhausted thirsty man is told to carry a cross. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. He brutally bared our iniquities. So they handed him over to be crucified and they took Jesus and he went out bearing his cross to a place, a place of the skull that in Hebrew was called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with two men on either side of him, Jesus in between, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, his mutilation, we were healed. Through this torture, Jesus shows not only complete composure, but calmness and compassion. For he knows 
that this must be done to save us, to save you. He could have stopped it at any moment. He walked to his death willingly. He was not trapped. When they came to find him in the garden with the soldiers, he walks to them and says, who are you looking for? It's me. Why? Because he knows he has to go to the cross in order for us to be saved. But at this point, he is utterly alone, forsaken by God. The psalmist David writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverances are the words of my groaning. I cry by day, but you do not answer. I cry all night, and I have no rest. Yet you are God. You are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out, in you they trusted and were not disappointed. As Jesus' exposed spine is pressed in to the wood of the cross, they nail him to it. You would expect anger or revenge. There is neither. In fact, it's just the opposite. Instead, he says, to the, he says to the people doing it, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Guys, he's saying that to you. He's saying that to me. He's not just saying that to the soldiers that are putting the spike through his hand. At that moment, he knew every sin you were going to commit that was going to create that moment for him. And he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, those sinners. For they know not what they do. This grace in the midst of utter wrong. David goes on and says, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and it is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shard. My tongue cleaves to my jaw. And you, God, lay, lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. It's easy to identify and sympathize with the hero of a story. It's easy to show sympathy for Jesus, but let's, let's be clear. 
we're the villains in this story. If you've never gotten that before, get it tonight. I get that that rails against every part of our flesh. I'm just not that bad a person, we say. At least I'm not that guy, we convince ourselves. We all did this to him. We are all the bloodthirsty crowd crying out, crucify him, crucify him. We are all the soldiers who are pounding the nails into his flesh. We are all the ones who mock and deny Jesus. And that's why he had to die. So I'd ask you as we take another moment to pray, how have you denied the Christ? What do you think you're hiding from him? That he can't take to the cross and crush. How have you failed to forgive? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let's pray. Father, I have to admit before my brothers and sisters that so much of my life is petty. I can't think of another word. So much of the strife and the turmoil and the worry and the fear. All of those are sins. All of those are what put you on the cross. And apart from you, I am full of them. But in you, I have newness of life. In the reality of the cross, we find forgiveness. Oh, Lord, rend our hearts, tear them open, and show us the things that we need to be freed from. And don't let us wallow in some self-pity. Yes, we put you on the cross, but yes, you went willingly. So may we hand you the junk. Since it's already put you there, and let you deal with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. The sixth to ninth hour, noon to 3 p.m. This is when the Passover lambs would have been slaughtered in the temple. 
the ordeal of dying has begun and the end is near. Isaiah goes on. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. Do you see? Do you see the depth of God's love for you in that sentence? God the Father was pleased to crush his son, putting him to grief. That sounds almost sadist, except that they knew that's the only way we get to go back. That's the only way we go back to a garden. That's the only way the rebellion is dealt with. Somebody had to pay the price or God is not just. And our God is both just and the justifier. So he demanded a price because he's a just and righteous God and he provided the justifier because he is a loving father. Darkness fell upon the land and it was about the ninth hour. And Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sakbathani. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? The Christ forsaken? I don't want to hear that. I don't want my Savior to say something like that. But that's the only way salvation comes to us. As a result of the anguish of Christ's soul, the Father will see it and be satisfied. I'm going to read that again. As the result of the anguish of Christ's soul, the Father will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquity. We have no idea the weight those nails carried. But he does. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had been accomplished, says this, I thirst. It's one of the last five words he speaks on earth before he goes to the grave. I thirst. It had, been, it had been 24 hours. I'm sure he was thirsty, but I think there's so much more to it than just that he wanted a drink of water. Because you see what is happening in this moment on the cross is all of the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, are laid upon the Son. And the Father turns his face away. And for the only time in their eternal existence, Jesus is separated from the Father and the Spirit. He thirsts for his Father. He thirsts for righteousness. He thirsts for holiness. He thirsts for sinlessness. 
Because until that moment he was, and he desperately wants to go back there. He thirsts for his father. Do you? Do you thirst for God? If he would be rendered as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. So Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He poured himself out unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. He took our place on that cross. He interceded for us and he still does. Every time Satan, the accuser of the brethren, tries to present an affront, a sin of yours to the Father, Jesus takes it from his hand and says, died for that one. Died for that one too. What else you got? That's what grace looks like. That's what complete forgiveness looks like. Therefore, having received the sour wine, Jesus cried out, it is finished. Bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Te telestai. That's what that word is. All of the words in the world cannot explain all that happened in that one word. Te telestai. but we get a glimpse of what it looks like. Because in that moment when Jesus cried out those words, it says this, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. Tetelestai shook the very foundation of the world and destroyed the separation between us and God. We are invited in to the Holy of Holies. We still are. Because of what was done on the cross of Jesus Christ, we can boldly approach the throne of grace through Christ. When the centurion, who was in charge of his execution, saw how he died, he looked up and said, Surely this was the Son of God. Do you see? Do you see what full forgiveness looks like? Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now. And I pray that you would help us to fully embrace your full forgiveness. Lord, that when we look at what you went through on the cross, may we not diminish the sacrifice. 
by holding on to stuff that we think you're just not ready to deal with or that we're not ready to bring to you. May we not nullify the grace of God by trying to live in our own strength and our own righteousness. Because if we could do that, then, then everything we just heard happened for nothing, your word says. But we know that's not true. We know it happened for a reason. Because the only way we could be redeemed back to you, that what had been lost in the garden can be restored and renewed in a garden is by your son paying the penalty. That's what forgiveness looks like. That's what freedom looks like. Lord, I pray in the next few minutes as we nail our nails to your cross, we would leave our sins there. Tetelestai. It is finished. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are a bunch of sinners. It's a lot of sin there. Praise God, it's been dealt with. The soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man crucified next to Christ. And then the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water gushed out. For the scriptures say, they shall look upon him who they pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate and asked that he might take the body off the cross. Pilate gave permission. So he came and took the body away. And Nicodemus, who was one of the first to follow Jesus by night, also came bringing in a mixture of myrrh and aloes, over a hundred pounds. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in this place, where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb which had never been used. Therefore, because the Jewish day of preparation was upon them, they laid Jesus to rest there. <clears throat>